Hey, beautiful friends. Welcome to the Savor Podcast. We're so excited for you to join us today as we dive into the goodness of God together. Our hope is for you to be encouraged, challenged, and entertained as you listen to hosts Stacy and Suzanne, along with special guests as they have honest and real conversations about how to savor God's word as they grow in their relationship with Christ. We hope you'll encourage a friend or two to listen with you so you can keep the conversations going. We're all about community here. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of the Saver Podcast. We're so glad you're here with us today. We are in our third, can't keep track, third podcast series episode. episode. Thank you. Episode of, you can tell this is all live, episode of um, our Amos series. So um, we just had you read episode, I mean, chapter one through three, and um, make some cookies and stuff like that. So I always love to hear if you actually did that, or I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm just kidding. I'm going to be able to do this, you guys. The truth is, and the reality is, that Stacy and I are both mothers, and it is summer. And so I know a lot of people listening to this are working moms in the summer, and it can be a challenge. Right? As I'm looking at my half-naked son, because he's swimming in the pool outside, dance in the window, very funny. I mean, how am I supposed to not laugh at that? I agree. I'm (laughs) laughing at it now as well. (laughs) So that's the reality, guys. We're trying to work while our kids are on summer break. So if you hear a bunch of yelling and stuff, they're outside next to the window in the pool. But, okay. Back to Amos. Game face. Work face back on. Um, So we read one through three, and we heard a lot about, like, how the Israelites were living, and we talked about, you know, they were being kind of salty. What we would call salty. Scripture says you can be salty, right? Be salt and light. But to us, salty means something different now, usually. Yes. Um, And so we talked about the cookies. We love to see if you made your recipes, or if you ever want to mail us any, I'll be glad to give you our uh, mailing Address? Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Especially for warm chocolate chip cookies. I know, right? Um, but anyway, so we are going to be um, kind of going into the next little section of Amos for us. And that's, we're going to be really looking at chapter four, five, and six today, right? Yeah, we are. And we gave you a little teaser last week uh, about what Amos chapter four, how it opens. And um So we'll dig right into Amos 4. We want to start with Amos 4. His sweet words. Yes. Um, Amos 4, 1 says, Hear this word, you cows of Bashan, who are on the mountain of Samaria, who oppose the poor, who crush the needy, who say to your husbands, bring now that we may drink. Ouch. That's a lot in that. I mean, so is Amos being told by God to call the women fat cows who are demanding drinks for their husband? Because that's kind of what it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, if Amos showed up today and he was like, you're a cow, I'd be like, thanks a lot, Amos. Like, it, I don't think that it means the same today Yeah, to us, what we would think if someone called you a cow as it did then. Right. 
And so, again, remember, when we're reading things, especially when we're reading these Old Testament prophecies, there's a lot going on. And the way that we hear it today in our English language and in our context is very different than the way that the Hebrew people would have heard it then when they hear references to the cows of Bashan or the bulls of Bashan, it has a very different connotation to them than it does to us. I hear cows of Bashan and it means nothing to me. I don't know anything about it, as a matter of fact, except as I've studied, I've learned a lot about it. And one of the interesting things is that Bashan actually was a city and the king of Og ruled in Bashan and it was an enemy of Israel. And very early on in scripture, when you see it, um, it's referenced in a lot of, uh, in Deuteronomy and a couple of other places in the Old Testament multiple times. It's in Psalms and we see it here again. But when you are hearing about Bashan and what they would have heard about Bashan, remember Amos went up to northern Israel and he was prophesying to, it was divided at the time to the northern kingdom of Israel. That is where Bashan is actually located. And I actually had the really cool privilege of going there. Uh, A few years ago, my husband and I went to Israel and we were in northern Israel near Mount Hermon. And we went to this area. You guys probably, if you're familiar with it at all, have heard of it as Caesarea Philippi. And um, it is in the northern part, modern-day Golan Heights. So if you're familiar with Israel at all, it's the modern-day Golan Heights. But in the Old Testament time, they would have known it as the gates of hell, or it's actually translated as the land of the serpent. That's what Bashan is, and it got called the land of the serpent. There's a whole lot going on in here. And it's really interesting to me when he's talking about them being the cows of Bashan. Uh, Historically and culturally, Bashan to them, to the Israelite people and the surrounding area was known as a land that produced a lot of fat calves, a lot of um, really good livestock. And so there may be an idea that that's what is being referenced here. It is highly possible, and a lot of scholars do believe, that Amos is talking to the women who lived in northern Israel. And we're going to see a reference to women again in Amos 6. Um, So it is very likely that he is referring to them and telling them, hey, stop being so apathetic and demanding and feeling entitled. But according to Michael Heiser, and if you're unfamiliar with him, um, he was an amazing scholar and theologian. He actually passed away this past year, but he did a lot of work on um, spiritual warfare and spiritual beings. And in his book, The Unseen Realm, he talks about how the bulls of Bashan could not only refer to the women living in northern Israel at that time, but could have also referenced the demons and the demonic forces. And so the really cool part here, and you guys are probably like, where is she going with all of this? (laughs) Hang with me, I promise it will come together. The really cool part is in Matthew 16, 18, um, Peter is standing in Caesarea Philippi, and he is standing in front of, at that time, what their culture called the gates of hell. 
And Jesus looks at him and Jesus says, and on you or on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That would have had a very powerfully profound impact on the people standing there because at that time, there were three different pagan temples built in this area that's now today, the Golan Heights, Bashan, Caesarea Philippi. And um, I'll post on Instagram for you guys to see some real modern day pictures of what it looks like. It's a really cool place. And on a side note, when we were there, it was actually snowing. So I saw hell freeze over, I'm just saying. (laughs) Um, But Jesus is standing there and he's talking to Peter and he's saying, you know, the gates of hell are not going to prevail. And then if we look into Psalm 22, A lot of scholars think Psalm 22, looking back on it now, we can see that it is prophesying about the crucifixion of Christ. And Psalm 22, 12 talks about how the strong bulls of Bashan encircled me. And so it is highly likely that the psalmist, without really knowing what he was writing, was prophesying about how when Jesus was being murdered on the cross, those demonic spiritual forces were encircling him and basically taking a victory lap around him thinking, Mm -hmm. ha ha, we won, you're defeated, you're dying on the cross. But now that we are in 2023 and looking back, we know the reality. Three days later, Christ was raised and the gates of hell did not prevail and death was overcome and victory has been won. And isn't that amazing when you read that? Like, If I'm just sitting reading Amos chapter 4 and I read that, I don't get any of that. But digging deep in and studying, it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. And you made this really great comment about the meta narrative of Scripture. Tell us a little bit about what you were thinking in that when we're reading and studying. Yeah, so when Stacy and I got together today to kind of talk about our notes for these three chapters, um, it is, you know, I was really focusing on just looking at kind of, um, you know, like a narrow view of just Amos and thinking, okay, what did he mean to these, just these women that he's speaking to and calling them cows of Bashan, Bashan, one of those, those. and, you know, after he called him a cow, and I'm like, I don't care where I'm from, I'm not a cow, you know, but just this idea that they're, you know, all, all cows care about is eating, right? That's their job. Like they have like two or three stomachs. Yeah. They they can like eat all day. And so it's like, you know, I mean, it is only grass, but still, right. (laughs) Just this idea of, you know, your selfishness, you're centered on your own needs. And, and so it is this idea of indulgence and laziness and apathy that we can see. And remember these this is a, a sheep herder, right? And a fig farmer, this is their, their animals is kind of like their point of reference. Oh yeah. So much more than ours would be today. Uh, so just focusing on that and then looking at that and taking it over to um, Amos 6, and you kind of see what what he's saying about that, like the behavior. You lie on beds of ivory and lounge on your couches. You dine on choice lambs and fattened calves. You strum away on your harps like David and improvise on musical instruments, and you drink wine by the bowlfuls, and you use the, fine, use the finest lotions, but you do not grieve over 
the ruin of Joseph and, you know, the people who were needy and vulnerable and just the people of God. And um, so I was really looking at it from that angle. And that, while I think that is true, we, we talked about, you know, Dr. Michael Heiser and some of these other scholars going even deeper and looking at it. How, how does this apply to the whole of scripture and just seeing what you've learned and studying Dr. Michael Heiser's work on this is that this is also talking about the spiritual warfare that's going on around us. And that's not something we like to talk about. It's kind of like we like to pretend that's not a thing, but clearly it is. I mean, and I think it means as you're talking, I'm like, yeah. And he's saying like, maybe you're being influenced by this, these spiritual beings, you know, this, this evil, um, spiritual stuff going on around you and making you this way. I mean, not, we're not, I'm never going to be that person when I was a kid. Um, I had some family that was constantly like, oh, every time somebody messed up, I was like, well, the devil made him do it. I'm like, yeah, maybe you were influenced by the devil, but you still made a choice. Yes. Um, so I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that there's so much at play here. And I loved that you taught us about the encircling of the doing a victory lap and they called him the cows of, or the bulls. Yeah. The strong bulls of Bashan encircling him. Like that is seeing scripture through this, what we call a meta narrative, just like from the beginning to the end, it's about the victory of God. Yeah. Really. Right. And his love for us and all that. But yeah. Yeah, it is. It's so crazy and it's so interesting. And I, I love the point that you made too, that, you know, there are, we cannot be ignorant to the fact that there are spiritual forces at play around us, but we have a choice. And we're going to see that in Amos chapter five. He gives us that choice. And we're going to get into that in just a second. But I, just a word of encouragement. If you're listening to this and you're like, what are they talking about? And this seems like a lot. This is what I want you to take away from Amos chapter 4 today. I want you to take away that, yes, there are spiritual forces at work, and you may feel completely defeated. You may feel defeated because you have had a complacent, demanding, apathetic view about reality. So you're like, well, I don't know if that's me. Ask yourself. Stop and think for a second. In the last week, have I thought, I can't believe no one appreciates what I'm doing. I can't believe that no one's helping me do the dishes. I can't believe that they're not doing this for me. If you've had those kinds of thoughts, then in love, I want to challenge those thoughts because that can produce some behavior that you probably don't want to have in your life. And so if you're in this place where you're feeling those frustrations or you just feel overwhelmed by life and you need some hope, I want to give you that today because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. So yes, those strong bulls of Bashan encircled Christ, but three days later, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he rose from the dead. He conquered death and victory is his. And if you are his child, then victory is yours. So no matter what you are facing today, you need to be reminded Christ already won. And you can run to him and he will hold you. And I think that's, you know, just such a beautiful reminder because we all lose sight of that. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing happen right now in Amos. Um, you know, one of the things that I 
took out of chapter four too is in um, specifically it was uh, four, four through five. And I think in Amos, we see a lot. It's every book of the Bible. We talk about idols all the time because we all have them. You might not have a literal golden calf sitting in your home, but you've got something that when things get hard and you lose sight of, of what Christ has accomplished and what Christ is going to accomplish, things that we go to. And that's what we're seeing here. And so I love in, in four, when he starts saying, oh, go to Bethel, go to Gilgal. And, you know, to me, I read it maybe because I tend to, you know, speak well, um, sarcasm. I read it almost as a little bit sarcastic, oh, right? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, go to Gilgal, go to Bethel, uh, bring your sacrifices every morning. Um, and I love it, that you referenced Deuteronomy earlier because um, where it says, um, bring your tithe every three years, that's that's back a reference to Deuteronomy again. So yeah, that made, the laws that they yeah, were given that, to them. Yeah, so it just kind of, that all makes sense. But anyway, this is about bragging and boasting. But um, on the last line, it says, for this is what you love to do. And that word love translates to the same word love in Deuteronomy 6, 5 that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and your strength. Mm. So what you're loving is what you're worshiping. Yes. Oof, that's good. And you cannot glorify yourself and God at the same time. You yeah. just can't. It's not going to work. I think we've all tried. That's right. That's, that is such a good word, too. I love that. I love how the Lord's just continuing to expand what we're learning in His Word and looking at that. And um, so, so interesting. And, and like you said, this leaves us with a choice. This leaves us with a choice. So chapter four is all about, hey, I'm warning you because God is always going to, in love, he's going to warn you. He's going to say, hey, hey, don't do that. Don't do that. This is what's going to happen if you do that. Um, and then in chapter five, he starts telling them that they have a choice. And in, um, he, in five, six, he says, seek the Lord that you may live or he will break forth like a fire, O house of Joseph, and it will consume with none to quench it for Bethel. But for those who turn, for those who turn justice into wormwood and cast righteousness down to the earth, I mean, chapter five is all about. He's put before you a choice to make. Back to Deuteronomy, mm -hmm. it talks about in Deuteronomy, he puts forth the choice again in Amos five fourteen. He says. Seek good and not evil that you may live. And thus may the Lord God of hosts be with you. And then he says in um, 15, hate evil, love good, establish justice in the gate. Perhaps the Lord God of hosts may be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. And I just think there's so much going on here. So four is telling us, hey, here's a warning. And five is saying, Come on, you got a choice to make. Seek God and live. Seek God and not evil. Seek good. And it goes back to the fact that, yes, there are spiritual forces around us and they may influence us, but we have a choice. The devil is not forcing you to do anything. I am jumping into it headfirst when I do something I'm not supposed to. And so I just love how 
chapter five talks about seeking good and not evil. It also reminds me of a verse in Isaiah that says, do not fret over evildoers, but dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. And see, so often we get get caught up about fretting over evil and he's making it clear, seek evil, I mean, seek good, don't seek evil. And he's making it clear here. Stop fretting about all the evil doers that are going on. Stop spending all your time thinking about how all these people are getting away with all these things and begin seeking good, dwelling in the land that he's put before you. Where has God placed you today? And what can you do today in that land instead of worrying about where everybody else is? And then the idea of cultivating faithfulness, feeding that word cultivate faithfulness, it actually means to feed on on faithfulness, to remember God's faithfulness. And that's basically what he's telling them in Amos chapter 5. Yeah, I love in 514, it's talking about seek good, not evil. Then God will be with you. Again, Mm -hmm. you cannot be in the constant presence of evil or, you know, be trying to glorify yourself and feed your own selfishness and and expect to feel the presence of God as well. Absolutely. Right? And um, and then in 15, it says, hate evil, hate good, and maintain justice, and God will have hopefully have mercy on the remnant, right? Yes. But I read, it made me think of this quote, which I would love to hear what people think about this quote, but I read this, and it says, because um, when you were just talking about, don't be worried about all the evildoers, because sometimes I do think that we spend so much time on just thinking about the evildoers that were not doing the good. Mm-hmm. And so the quote was, the omission of good is no less reprehensible than the commission of evil. Mm. And it's by somebody named Plutarch. I like, it's like that. like a, a really old, like, Greek Yeah, 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 yeah. Like um, real, real, real dead. Yeah, real dead. <laughs> real dead. Um, but I, I loved that. And if you really think on that, I mean, I think we could debate that a little bit. But if you're so focused on the evil, then where are you doing good? Yes, absolutely. And we need to seek good and do good. Right. Um, in our episodes on peace, we talked about how we must seek peace and pursue it. We have a choice and he's putting a choice before us. And ladies, it is not remiss on me. He's talking to us. He's talking to women. So in Amos 4, it's referencing the wives. And then let's look over to Amos 6, chapter 1. Well, be- before we go there, I just had to tell you this, just because um, I don't know if you read it in this, but when I started and I got to um, uh, five, is it four? Yeah, basically four and five. Seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel. Mm-hmm. I read it in the Amplified, and I I just read it. I don't know what where the Amplified gets all their extra words. You probably know that. Like they just all, use a lexicon to come like up with. all their extra phrases and they just put them all together. Yeah. It basically is like a lexicon. So they take what, they look up what the original meaning was and they add it in there. Sometimes. Okay. So anyway, in the Amplified, it says, for seek me, it says, search diligently and regard me more important than food which I mm. thought was interesting being how they were just called cows. Yes. <laughs> and they're saying, bring me something to drink and do this for but, me. But I mean, how different would our world be if we all searched dig- diligently for God and regarded Him as more important than food? Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, it goes back... More important than food. I know. You guys, this podcast, basically, we're obsessed with food on it and we share food every single time. Like- I know. I know. <laughs> But it goes back to our life motto of, you know, fast, 
I mean, rest, fast, pray, work, repeat. Yeah. So you have to have a place where you put aside that yeah. desire for whatever your basic need is. Because yeah. there is no greater need in your life than God himself. There is no greater need. Food is not more important. He is the greatest and he will sustain us. Um, and we can feed on his faithfulness. Amen. So I love that. I love that. So he's basically in... You know, Amos 4 gave him a warning. Amos 5 said, you have a choice to make. And then he is talking to us ladies because in Amos 4, he talks to the wives. And then in Amos 6, 1, he says, woe to those who are at ease in Zion and to those who feel secure in the mountain of Samaria. And then he says, the distinguished men of the foremost nations to whom the house of Israel comes. So you're like, well, he's not talking to women. He said to the distinguished men, but... If you read Amos 6.1, woe to those who are at ease in Zion, and then you cross-reference it to Isaiah 32.9, listen to what Isaiah 32.9 says, rise up, you women who are at ease, and hear my voice, give ear to my word, you complacent daughters. He is absolutely speaking to us. We have influence, ladies, and he speaks directly to us at times, and it is clear that he is speaking to us. And in Amos 6, again, he's saying to them, hey, listen, pay attention, pay attention. And I love how um, if you go back in Isaiah 32, Isaiah 32 is a really um, beautiful passage, I think. And actually, it was in 2019 that we focused on this chapter in our women's encounter where we went away for the weekend. And it was really cool how he talks about it. He actually goes on to say in Amos, I'm sorry, in Isaiah 32, 10, after he talks about rise up women who are at ease, he says, within a year and a few days, you will be troubled, O complacent daughters, for the um, vantage is ended and the fruit gathering will not come. Tremble, you women who are at ease. Be troubled, you complacent daughters. And he goes on to tell them, in about a year and a few days, things are going to be really bad for you. So the Lord gave us that verse in 2019 to teach at our women's encounter. Well, in March of 2020, we went back to our women's encounter and we went the weekend before the pandemic hit full force. It was a prophetic word from the Lord. We didn't know what was coming, but in a year and a few days, everything changed. And I, now reading back, every time I hear that and think about Isaiah 32, I think, oh my goodness, the Lord was speaking prophetically then. Mm -hmm, for sure. Yeah. That's and a he, really cool story. It is. When you look at it all, like before this, we were kind of going through each year of encounter and seeing what he was teaching us. And the, I mean, it's it's very cool to see, and just the whole three-year thing you were telling me, just very, very cool. Yes, yeah. it really is. And so to kind of wrap this up today, though, what the way he continues in Isaiah 32 when Isaiah is prophesying, it very much goes in line with the overarching message of Amos, which is that idea of righteousness and mercy. You know, we that is an overarching theme in the book of Amos, that the mercy of God is going to be poured out on his people and he seeks justice and he seeks righteousness. And um, so if you look at Isaiah 32, starting in verse 16, he says, 
Justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness will abide in the fertile field, and the work of righteousness will be peace, and the service of righteousness, quietness, and confidence forever. Then my people will live in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in undisturbed resting places. And I just love that he is reminding us he has won the victory, and that we can have the work of righteousness, and that result will be peace, and the service of righteousness will be a quiet confidence forever in the Lord. And so if you're feeling unsettled or you're feeling stressed out or anxious, then the Lord has given you a warning today. The Lord has invited you to make a choice today to seek good and not evil, to seek life, to seek God, to live, and to remind you women who may be at ease or complacent, that he is asking you to seek him out and to seek out his righteousness and his justice today. Amen. Yes. So Suzanne, tell us about our saver moment. So all this talk about cows um, really got me thinking about like ice cream and milkshakes and stuff. I mean, right? That's what I think of. And um, so... We were thinking of, we were just talking recently, Stacy was. I have not, I'm going to have to admit, I haven't had one in a very long time. Um, but before I tell you what it is, the real work is in reading yes. Amos 4, 5, and 6, if you have not yet, or reread it again with some of what we've talked about today in mind, and make yourself a nice root beer float, because that just, Stacy just loves those. I mean, root beer float like takes me back to childhood. Joy, joy, joy. Summertime root beer floats. Oh, there's that's so probably much the last joy. time I've had a root beer float. Like when I was a child. Yeah, yeah it does sound very like childy, summery. But there's no reason that as an adult you cannot enjoy a root beer float. That's if that's right. your thing. And if you're like gross, I hate root beer, then you can do what I did last week when we were recording the podcast. You guys don't know this because you can't see me, but um, I might have had a big old scoop of vanilla ice cream in a dark coffee, and it was amazing. It has some fancy Italian yeah. name like affaconado or affashano or yeah. I don't know. I, I had heard of that before, but not really thought about it. I've never had it, and I was thinking about that the other night. I was like, I bet that was good when Stacy had that um, scoop of ice cream in her coffee. So if you're not a root beer float girl, try that instead. Yes, but as you do that, read through Amos 4, 5, and 6, and remember that God always warns us, uh, and then He invites us, and He has won the victory in the end. And so we hope that you have enjoyed this episode, and don't hesitate. you got to reach out to us at saver at crosstownchurch.com. We'd love to hear from you guys. We would love to hear any feedback, um, questions about Amos that you have or thoughts about Amos. We really do want to interact with you guys and hear your thoughts and your responses. And as always, remember to like and subscribe, leave comments that helps us in the ratings. And we are so glad that you are here today. Yep. Y'all have a rest of your day. That is amazing. Thank you for being with us today here at Savor. This podcast is a ministry of Crosstown Church. For information about SOAR Women's Ministry or Crosstown Church, please visit crosstownchurch.com or download the Crosstown app. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please remember to like, subscribe, or leave a review. This helps people find us.